So as you may or may not know, um, the parish takes a trip every year to El Salvador. And uh, we got to take our second annual trip this year. And it was a wonderful time. So we had about 20 people in our group. And uh, I got to go with them. We got back last Friday. And it was our second time there as St. Joseph. And uh, there's like really a couple things that I always want to do when I'm in El Salvador, things that are very important to me, very near and dear to my heart. One of them is riding animals. So like, uh, just like you saw last Sunday with Palm Sunday, I got to ride the donkey. I always tried to find a horse to ride on. I found the horse. And the other thing that is always very serious to me, of course, is getting to meet the poor. And when you go to El Salvador, you truly do get to have encounters with the poor. And one of the things that we do every year is a, a program called Obras de Caridad. And it basically means serving the poor. It's charity to the poor. And uh, what it is, is it's basically a group kind of like we have St. Vincent de Paul here in our parish. Well, it's a group that goes out down along the mountainsides and they take bags of bean and they take medicine and they take food and they take it to all the poor people living along the mountainside. And the mountain that we lived in was called Teotepeque, and the name of Teotepeque actually means mountain of God. It's God's mountain. So the, the, the thing that we do is we go and we visit all the poor. So the first day that we get there, it was uh, an exciting time because we'd been there last year. I've gone year after year. I've been there 10 years in a row, I think. And um, so the people remembered us from last year. And it was great to get to see them. I don't know if you remember the video that was playing at the end of the masses with that little boy, Juan Jose, who had my ukulele. Well, I got to see him. He came running up to me in the church and gave me a big hug. And, um, you know, you get to see the people that you, that you saw the last time that you were there. So it's a wonderful experience. The first day that we were there, we were there, there was a lot of celebrating because we had just uh, created an academy. So there's now a, a Catholic school there in this tiny... Uh, mountaintop called Teotepeque. And so we threw a huge party for them and it was celebrated with, with ice cream and with food and with uh, hot air balloons and it was just a ton of fun. And uh, the next day we had a celebration for one of the nuns' birthdays. She was, um, she was having her birthday so we threw her a big party. Well, in the midst of that day, um, we got some news. And uh, last year when we were there and we were traveling down the mountainsides and meeting some of the villagers, the lady that was leading the group wanted to show us her home. And so she took us to her home, and it was me. She, we kind of broke up into small groups, but it was myself and Dr. Oliger from our parish and a few other parishioners. And she showed us her home, and as we were looking around, she's got tin, tin walls, and it's a dirt floor, but on the walls are the pictures of all of her family and an image of the Sacred Heart, an image of Mary. And so I'm looking at all these pictures, and Dr. Oliger comes running up to me, and he goes, Father Michael, you got to see this. Come here. And he pulls me over to this young girl named Erica. Now, Erica was 20 years old at the time. And Erica was holding her baby daughter in her arms. And Dr. Oligo goes, Father Michael, you have to look at her. And uh, he kind of moved the side of her, her top that she was wearing. And he showed me she had a, a giant cyst on her shoulder. It's about the size of my fist. And Dr. Oligo just looked at me and he goes, Father Michael, she's got cancer and it's bad. And, uh, and I just looked at him like, okay, what are we supposed to do? And he goes, well, let's pray over. And I said, okay. So he gave me some holy water, and the whole group got around Erica, and we prayed over her, and I blessed the cyst on her shoulder, and uh, we asked God for a miracle. I asked God that, that he would heal her. And uh, it was a wonderful moment. We all remember Erica. And so we left that year and we came back the next year, and like many of the people in El Salvador, sometimes you meet them once and you never see them again. 
Well, the second day we were there this year, uh, the priest came up, and it was right before the nun's birthday party, and they told us that one of their members had died, that someone in their community had died. And they began describing the girl, and I realized that it was Erica. She had died one year later. And, um, and I think it was by God's providence that our mission team was there again. The same team that had prayed over her was now there for her funeral. And so we found out the news, and after we went to the birthday party that night, we went to the wake, and the wakes are held in their homes, you know? So it was that same home that we were in last year, and uh, the villagers were all crowded outside of the house and all along into the alleyways and the streets. And so we climbed down the mountainside and went into her home, and the parents were there. And the, the, the mother remembered us from last year. She remembered that we came into our house and blessed and prayed over Erica. So the mother ran up to me and just hugged me and, and kind of broke down and cried in my arms. And the father did the same thing in the other priest's arms, Father Stala. And it occurred to me at that moment that God was in El Salvador. You know, that our, our diocese is in El Salvador, that we are joined together by the sacraments with these people in El Salvador. And though the sacraments are, are celebrated in, in quite the same way, there's a lot of differences. And one is, like I said, the wake is in the house. So when I went up to, to the casket, because they don't embalm, she was in a, in a covered casket, in a wood, wooden casket. And on, on top of the casket was a, a plain glass, you know, so you could see into the casket. And as I looked in, sure enough, that was her face. It was Erica. And uh, they had her wrapped in this beautiful white. I mean, she looked almost like a saint. She was just radiant in this casket. So we did the wake, and the next morning, the community gathered again, and we did Mass the very next morning. And um, I, 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 re I realized that as we were doing communion, you know, so I, w I was the priest there and uh, saying, El Cuerpo de Cristo, which is the body of Christ in Spanish, and they were coming forward and receiving communion. I realized that at that moment, we were one. You know, our mission team and those people and Erica and her family were one. We are one people. And Erica was with us at that very moment of the Eucharist because Christ is with us in the Eucharist. And if she's with Christ and we're with Christ, then we were with Erica. At the end of the funeral mass, uh, the, the, the casket was brought out into the streets, and that's when I realized what a huge crowd it was. In front of the church and, and down the street, there were hundreds and hundreds of people from this village. They had all gathered. And I just thought about all these lives that 20-year-old Erica touched, you know, and she barely ever left her home, but they were all there for her burial. And then we took the hearse down and walked in procession all the way down to the cemetery, we get to the cemetery, we climb up the hill, and at the, at the top of the hill was where her burial was, and they had the, the hole dug, and it was like a, it was a deep hole. It was like nine feet deep. And during the, the funeral service at the committal, they actually lowered her body to the bottom of the ground. And I just looked at her parents, who were in utter um, disillusion. They were just shocked at, at their daughter uh, being lowered into the ground. And the mother broke down crying again. The father broke down crying. And then at the end of the funeral service, the men began to shovel the dirt. And they actually put the dirt on the body. So the men took three shovels. And the brothers and the, the father and the, you know, the friends and the relatives, they all shoveled and cried and wept and filled this ground with earth until they were done and it was a mound of dirt. 
And at that moment, the mother was grieving so hard she walked away. She walked behind another mausoleum and she was being comforted by a couple of her children. And I looked at the ground and all I saw was dirt. And all I saw was sadness. And all I saw was this family that was grieving so hard. And then something that I'll never forget happened. People from the crowd, the women from the crowd, had flowers with them. And they began to, to bring the flowers up to the dirt. And they didn't just throw the flowers onto the dirt or onto the casket. They, they actually brought the flowers up and they planted them into this soil. And one of the women came and she brought a watering can and she watered the soil. And before you know it, the ladies, they were filling this mound with flour. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of flowers. Before you know it, this mound of dirt was transformed and it became this unbelievable bouquet of flowers. And there was something else I noticed as I looked at all the faces of the people. The tears had stopped, the grieving had stopped, and there was joy. I looked around and, and they all smiled as they, they so beautifully arranged this bouquet of flowers on top of her grave. And then they finally brought the mother back to see the flowers. And this mother that was grieving so hard for the first time in days, she smiled. She saw the beauty and the goodness of that. There's a few things that I'd like to reflect on that has to do with these Easter mysteries. And all three of them we experience tonight. And so first is baptism, the second is Eucharist, and the third I'm going to end with is flowers. We always have flowers at the Easter celebration, and there's, there's a reason for that. So the first thing is baptism. Erica was experiencing eternal life because she was baptized. This very night, we are going to be baptizing some people into eternal life. They are going to be born from this very moment into eternal life. And we hear in, in Scripture that Jesus says, when you have been baptized into me, you have been baptized not only into my death, but into my resurrection. In just a few moments, you are going to be baptized into his death and into his resurrection. You're going to experience your first glimpse of eternal life. Your life forever will, will be forever changed by this moment. So the first is baptism. We are, when we're baptized, we begin our inheritance in eternal life. So all of you who have been baptized, you share this eternal life with Erica. You share this eternal life with all the angels and saints that have gone before us. And those to be baptized in just a few moments will share in this eternal life. The second thing is Eucharist. So we're also going to be having some people receive Eucharist for the first time. Raise your hand if you're going to be receiving communion for the first time. So in just a few moments here, you will receive the body and blood of Christ. Now this is the amazing thing. Christ loves us so much that when he died, he wanted to be with us forever. So on the night before his death, when he had the Last Supper, he gathered his disciples together and he gave them his very self. And he took the bread and he took the wine and he changed them into his body and blood and he said, receive my body and receive my blood. At the very moment that we receive his body and blood, Christ is in us and we are in Christ. And the two of us become one. Now if you think about Erica, she's living with Christ now. The moment we receive Christ, we are joined not only with Christ but with Erica and with everyone else who has gone before us into eternal life. And maybe you have a loved one that you're grieving or that you're missing. 
When we come to the altar of God, we're surrounded here by the angels and the saints. When we receive Christ into us, we become one with Christ. He and I, and I and him, and we are with him. And if we're with him, we're with everyone else that is with him, not only throughout the world, but in the kingdom of God. So in Eucharist, we are united totally with Christ and with each other. The third image and the final image I want to introduce is that of flowers. I want you always to remember Erica by the flowers. Okay. So I ordered 1,500 flowers <laughs> because this is my image of the resurrection in abundance from Erica. The thing that transformed all of the faces that day was the flowers. Flowers only have meaning for us because they're symbolic of the resurrection. The whole notion of flowers is, is, is that in the spring, when the spring finally comes and we're done with the snow and we're done with the winter, the buds begin to blossom. And what seemed to be once dead now has life. The final image I leave you with today for the resurrection is flowers. When the family looked upon that ground that was dirt and it was transformed into this bouquet of flowers, their tears were transformed into joy. When Christ rose from the dead, he took the image of the cross that was covered in blood and stained, as we saw on Good Friday, and transformed it into a sign of the resurrection. Today, as we experience the sacraments of baptism and Eucharist and confirmation, lives are going to be transformed into eternal life. This very evening, we enter into eternal life. What I'd like to do now is offer you these flowers. And I'd like to begin with anyone that has ever lost a child. I would just like you to raise your hand and the servers are going to come right now and bring a flower to you. So if you've ever lost a child before, I want to give you a flower. If you've lost a loved one in the last year, raise your hand and you'll be brought a flower. If you've lost your spouse, raise your hand and you'll be brought a flower. If your heart is still aching because you're grieving anyone that, you, that has ever died in your life, raise your hand and you'll be brought a flower. Unless you were in El Salvador with me, you probably didn't know who Erica was until today. And my hope is that you'll always remember Erica, not by the mound of dirt, but that you'll remember her by the flowers. The truth is, in the sacraments that we celebrate tonight, in these Easter mysteries of baptism, of Eucharist, of confirmation, all of these are to point us to this reality, to the mystical reality of life everlasting. When you were baptized, you entered into everlasting life. When you come forward today to receive communion, you will receive everlasting life. Every time you come into this church and you see the flowers, they are a sign to us of life. When you remember Erica, and when you remember the resurrection, I want you to remember the flowers. <laughs>